Welcome to Extended Clip, the After Hours feed. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. I don't know if we usually introduce ourselves on the bonus feed, but you know, we're doing it today. Let's get formal. Let's, you know, put on our Brooks Brothers clothing that we got from the store. Is that what they sell, Brooks Brothers? Yeah, they sell suits. They sell clothes, they sell yeah. Suits. This is actually technically the first episode of uh, Brooks Brothers because it will be out. This is also uh, the mark of a new era on Extended Clip where we released the Patreon episodes on Tuesdays. In two days, you'll get an episode that we just recorded about mm-hmm. James L. Brooks and Albert Brooks. But today we're here to talk about Don't Go Breaking My Heart, the 2011 film by Johnny Toe and YK5. Yeah, that's that, that's this this movie got me thinking too because I've seen a couple uh, Toe myself and with the uh, YK5 and like... I've. I'm trying to like um trying to distinguish their qualities, so to speak. The only other one I've seen with this particular co-director is uh Running on Karma, which I Same. think we've all discussed briefly on the show. Maybe I don't know. But uh I mean that's a great film. He has other, you know, co-conspirators in the 90s films I've seen by him, mm-hmm. but you know Johnny Toe is a man of many genres, many styles, uh, but when you're watching his films, you always know it's a Johnny Toe movie. And uh, yeah, this one is no exception. This is actually the first of the like rom-coms I've seen from him. Uh, I've seen some drama and a comedy from his 80s period, and you know I've seen a lot of the 90s crime movies, but I'm very, uh, I, I have a lot of blind spots on the 2000s and 2010s Johnny Toe cinema. Uh, this was my first non-crime uh, Johnny Toe, and I was like, I don't know, I think that was what I was looking out for the most, was like seeing how his style would translate and i think there is a lot of stuff like i don't know it is very comparable even though he's doing something like completely different like his use of space in this which i think we can get into a little bit later um i don't know remind me of uh his other his crime work yeah of course uh it's beautiful the way he uses the the cinemascope frame here and you know is cramming all these bodies into the frame here and you have a couple of uh Scenes like uh, where I believe it's Fang climbing up a uh, apartment uh, building, the side of it, to sneak in through the bathroom window. And it's like even just that little moment of like a little romantic gesture within this is treated like within an action movie because Johnny Toe is such a skilled and attentive director. So you have this long take of the camera moving alongside the character scaling the side of the building. Uh, And it's just like everything in here is... Uh, directed for maximum potential because of how great of a director Johnny Toe is. I and think. Everything's- or sorry, no, you go. I'm sorry. No, you go. No, please. Okay. Um, no, you. No. <laughs> no, you hang. <laughs> Especially with this movie, because I've seen this in his other movies, but I feel like everything is so exact and very. This is a very well controlled movie in mm-hmm. terms of tone, in terms of framing and all that synthesizing together it is a very impressive and ambitious movie for you know as much as it is a romantic comedy it does have parts where it feels like an action movie yeah it's also dealing with the 08 recession in a very interesting way and it comes it weaves into a plot into the plot in a way that's very intelligent and 
um yeah i was very impressed by this yeah uh more i mean like it's this and like the films of jaja and Ka, and it's like what else deals with like uh you know uh globalization and the economy in that time frame within the uh framework of genre cinema yeah, you know yeah it's like these guys are fucking masters and out here in the west we're, we're shitting our pants <laughs> making vice uh, <laughs> I that think- is great <sighs> I, this. Oh yeah, uh, since you haven't heard the next episode yet where we establish this, JT is locked outside of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> JT, uh, I'm slipping the mic under the door. What do you have to say? Uh, oh man, I should just sound, just cover my phone so I sound muffled and the audio <laughs> quality is terrible. The entire app. <laughs> cover uh, your phone in Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think even like right from when the film starts there's a lot of like complex set pieces that ring of like johnny toe's crime work because like we're seeing like a man in a car watching like a scene take place between a pregnant woman uh uh and her husband and her ex-girlfriend and it's just like i don't know i think there's like a, a like a complicated um cross-cutting there that like i don't know it introduces the way it's going to tell sort of like a romance through windows really well and Mm -hmm. just sort of establishes like uh that dynamic so in this beginning scene you know right after what you described uh chang zizhen uh played by uh, Gao Yuan Yuan is saved by the character Feng, a like drunk architect. Uh, she's saved by him from getting hit by a car after she is so, you know, in disarray from this scene on the bus that she's just in the middle of the street, you know, not knowing what she's doing. And uh, after this man carrying a bottle of rum everywhere he goes with the label pointed at the camera mind you, <laughs> uh, it saves her she decides to start like getting over her recent breakup by unloading uh her ex's possessions onto him and these possessions inspire him to get creative again and stop drinking so much and go back to being a famous architect (laughs) and uh meanwhile she's also uh flirting with the ceo of the uh company whose offices are directly across from hers in these you know twin towers that are set up directly across from each other and uh you know the the ceo cheng shun from across the street is leaving these post-it notes up on the wall you know and uh he he's decorating he's doing all these twee little romantic gestures and i feel like this movie kind of gets at something about you know as grandiose and expressive as those romantic gestures are they're ultimately kind of like uh facile i guess in comparison to real connection and dedication you know no, yeah, I was. I wrote something down. I thought it was sounded really smart, but it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like romance done through gesture rather than uh, like affect. Yeah, and it, and it, it, it and it's uh, made clear in many different ways, like you said, with the post-it notes, to where like these gestures, you know, that the love triangle that emerges out of this uh, trio we have, they get bigger and bigger and grander and grander, but ultimately the conclusion doesn't really match up to who did the grandest stunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT, how'd you, how'd you feel about this one? Oh, I loved it. It was a fantastic time where I feel like, uh, this romantic comedy like pairs perfectly, uh, with the Brooks brothers work, uh, because 
there's like a level of character specificity here that I think is true of like Johnny Toe's crime stuff as well. And just the way like character details of this, like uh, sort of are flowing off the screen through like the mise-en-scene. And then also like their personalities work really well through like uh, formal characteristics of the film. I, uh, yeah, no, it was a great time. Uh, so among these possessions, uh, that Fang is given, uh, is a frog that is kind of his, his buddy, uh, throughout the film. And, you know, there, there's a pretty gruesome scene like him, uh, not to spoil it, but RIP froggy, you know, uh, a pretty gruesome scene of like a fist fight that of course it's Johnny toe. So, uh, it's very carefully choreographed, even if it doesn't have like the impact that his action movies would approach the scene with still very carefully choreographed to climax with this moment of, uh, you know, Fang falling on, uh, his own frog and killing it and then you get a uh, lamb suet across the way uh looking and filming it on his blackberry and freaking out trying to figure out what the splat on the ground is and uh you know there's such great performances across the board here that you know you have lamb suit as like the fifth character i guess just kind of poking his head in certain scenes and being a goofball and somehow not even stealing the show that's how elevated the rest <laughs> of his cast is and he's like a legend you know mm-hmm. and like as as elevated as the cast is like even like Toe almost kind of outshines them in a sense, and not not in a way to where it takes anything from the movie, but it, like the way the the kind of stage he sets up around the city with like the the two buildings and kind of like that little stairwell that uh, the architect hangs out in is so exact in how it goes, you know, back and forth between them, and uh, you know uses like you know people w- looking from across the way, you know, using different perspective to you know give different scenes new meanings it's just so uh it's so impressive like it it is like you really i feel like you cannot be more in control of a movie than toe is here and i there's so many images that just he's able to sear into your brain uh, to be called back upon later you know early in the movie uh when she's saved from getting hit by the car before that there's a really beautiful shot of her in the middle of the street and a car's headlights lighting her so perfectly and i had to just like write it down a quick description of the shot because i was just floored by his use of street lights and car headlights and everything like that but you know then an hour and 15 minutes later you find out that the architect whose point of view we were in uh you know is inspired by that image as well you know it was a damn good image and he builds or he designs a building rather that's in the shape of the shadow that her body was uh that her body casted from the uh the car headlight and it's just like such a grand romantic gesture that's also born out of a formal aspect of the film (laughs) and it's just oh it's beautiful and there's nothing more sweet than that to us yes <laughs> <laughs> to us formalist romantics out there <laughs> the formalist romantic. well i i was i was just watching that scene and watching it unfold like it is kind of like i guess maybe funny just like seeing the car come in and you know it's just going to be like a lighting device like an inspiration yeah. for lighting but once you get delivered that image you're not disappointed so uh, the main chunk of this film, I guess, uh, before it jumps forward in time, I guess the first 45 minutes or so, are made up of this uh, 
you know, missed connection love triangle between these three characters that I had mentioned and, you know, the flirtations between the financial analyst and the CEO across the way and uh, these games that they play and Toe's use of space in bringing these characters together and, of course, keeping them apart. And then uh, the financial collapse of 2008 happens thanks obama (laughs) uh you know the global market is in disarray and one of these offices closes down and then we get a time jump to three years later because uh this is a film whose mind is you know on top of being uh such a film about romantic uh gestures and about like kind of about rom-coms i feel like it's a very kind of metatextual thing in how it climaxes with all of those silly rom-com gestures back to back you know uh, it also has its mind on how the world has changed in the last five years leading up to this movie in a way that is not overly like hitting you on the head with it but it's very much there in every scene you know um, and I, I feel like in terms of how it's working within the romantic comedy structure, I feel like it's like obviously, you know, like by just how bozo mode uh, the uh, financial analyst is from the beginning, like getting nosebleeds with the big titties and just like <laughs> fucking like trying to success mindset her into uh, dating him because he has so much money, you know, she's going to wind up with the architect but it's like there is a lot of tension there um and playing with how like i think that time jump like works a lot because it's like the characters grow and change over that time yeah no i that scene where uh um the financial analyst and the ceo they're about to hook up and then she asks you know do you have any condoms and, uh, you know, she, he says, no, I'll go to the store. And then he, you know, goes to his car and she's disappointed by him having in his car. It's like, isn't that what people are supposed to do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what the fuck is that? That that was a bullshit point. <laughs> she shouldn't have gotten mad Look, at him man, for that. Dating in Hong Kong is a little different than it is here. Okay? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I got to be. I got to be. Look, you know, I always spend some time in Hong Kong. So uh, <laughs> no. They're calling me Mr. Hong Kong. That would be funny, like a (laughs) 90s comedian, like a New York versus L.A. kind of bit. But like about, you know, so I spent some time in Hong Kong, you know, and uh, it's a little different from out here in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I I love the uh, very basic romantic uh, misunderstanding in the beginning as he's, you know, flirting with the girl across the way. And then the hot girl uh, with the Western name uh, from the office below is showing off her butt and boobs to him. And it's like, which one do you pick? The girl you've been making these grand romantic gestures to for weeks on end or the girl who just showed you her butt? Fellas, what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's like in what makes his character a little bit more complicated than just like full dipshit bozo is that like he um, he goes to her initially to be like, look, there was a misunderstanding like I have a date with like another girl, like actually, but the, the promise of a hotel room buffet where you can just like have some, have some fucking lobster, some clams before you get some clam. That's just too <laughs> enticing. <laughs> it is. It is a hard, that was a hard thing to pass up. She's yeah. Like, you know, I got a hotel room buffet all accommodated. I am going to have sex with you. You're like, <sighs> 
You know, it, it does, you know. And I on guess, the other hand, there is this woman I've never actually spoken a word to <laughs> who I've been making post-it notes to for weeks on end. <laughs> yeah, see, we're no Jim Halpert here. You know what I mean? We're, uh, we're not trying to break up the marriage of an uh, a warehouse worker who yeah, works I'm, in the underclass building uh, version of my building. Yeah, a romance I mean, realist. This, the, the man says, you know, my senses were corrupted by testosterone at the moment. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's where we're at right now. Maybe what we'd make the wrong decision in a romantic comedy. I love the cafe that they go to that's playing like a sound alike of the best of my love songs on the Boogie Nights soundtrack, but yeah. it's like slightly off, you know, for uh, soundtracking purposes. Uh, I, I There's like so much in this film. There's also a great 7-Eleven and, you know, yeah. I it's such a stupid thing to just like gawk at and love just like watching an Asian film and seeing Western corporate uh, <laughs> icons and be like, Oh, I know this. Uh, but it is also adding to the text in terms of the globalization aspect of the film. And this is, you know, the woman at the helm of this is a mainlander who followed an ex to Hong Kong to live there originally, you know, and uh, smarter people than I will figure out what that means. No, I mean, yeah, even like some of these like uh, business scenes where like you see like after the merger or after the, you know, the the office has gotten more globalized, even like the cinema scope frame will like kind of squish these people at the mm-hmm. edges of the frame. And, and like you see people from all over the world, you know, Westerners and people f- from other countries. And like you said, it is it is very subtle, but it just shows cultural awareness. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not really a. It's not a main point in the movie, but it's just another thing that makes this movie great. Speaking of cultural awareness, one of the things she does to flirt in the windows is also the uh, the Charlie Chaplin famous potato dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, w- I was going to say, I feel like that little location that the architect is near reminds me a lot of City Lights. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could see that. I, I can't really elaborate it further, but it was just It, it just me... kind of looks like a set almost, even though that totally yeah. could be a real like street corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about that little like walkway that goes, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like uh, when he saves the guy yeah. uh, from drowning. Yeah, it kind of looks like that same staircase a little bit. Yeah. Sir, I represent the estate of Charles Chaplin. I have a court order demanding an immediate halt to this unauthorized imitation. Boys, Folks, we love Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> We're trying to find Chaplin eggs. Make comedy great again. <laughs> and then it's like a the Hitler mustache on it. That's a great hat right there. <laughs> or the Chaplin mustache. I Little say. update for our uh, attentive listeners who remembered the talk of facial hair and funny mustaches on the talk radio episode a few weeks ago. I did shave my facial hair off. My mustache woes are uh, uh, behind me, you know, in the rear view. But I did give myself a little Chaplin stash for a little just to, uh, you know, come clean. Of course, I had to. <laughs> those private moments, man. That's uh, I'm giving know. those private moments over to the listeners at this point. You're alone ready shaving. To give myself to them. You're going to do it one time. You're gonna. You want to look eat it for thirty seconds, maybe. Well, one you time le- per shave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, damn. You know, what if it was like, what if I was Hitler? Would I do that? You know what I mean? So anyway, after the time jump, you know, she comes back, and uh, what do you know? The CEO is her new boss, uh, in classic rom com fashion, and now the architect is across the way, and the tables are turned. You know, that reminds me of kind of like a male's sole Instagram post. It's like. You reject me, baby. Now I'm the boss of your company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He definitely, yeah, he definitely has the male soul come up on that one. Yeah. It, yeah, it's in th- that like the way that's presented is really funny. Where she doesn't know that he's the new boss because she comes in late and then she literally attacks him 
you know, and yeah. uh, I think a lot of confusion and a lot of miscommunication that happens through, you know, in this movie in classic rom-com fashion really hits its comedic notes. I, you know, another time is what JT was mentioning earlier where he, you know, the CEO's, uh, it, you know, has an option between two dates and, you know, goes with the Western woman that who's shaking her ass. And, um, um, and then, you know, the analyst who was promised, you know, thought she had a date comes in the day late, a day later and like sees the other woman trying to communicate with him throughout the window. And for a second, she's like, Oh, I'm like so embarrassed. Like I thought you were talking to me. And then she thinks about it. She's like, wait, you were talking to me. We had specific <laughs> things you're talking that she thinks he could get away with it for a second. Yeah. Too. You see uh, the gears turning yeah. in his head. You know, I think I may have just played this rom-com machination to my advantage. And then she, the gears are turning in her head right after that, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a good flip. Yeah. Oh, I love the dueling lunch dates uh, in the new setup. You know, when the uh, the CEO has this young woman that works at the firm, you know, he uh, gets lunch delivered and, you know, she, they're like feeding each other or whatever. Yeah. And then across the way, uh, she's with the architect having just like a nice normal lunch and he's cooking for her. He's trying to recreate the meal that they ate together all those years ago in a grand romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. He learned to cook just so he could make oysters the same yeah. way they ate oysters that night, you know. Uh, and I got to say, all the food looks fucking delicious in this mm-hmm. movie. The close-ups on uh, that that soppy goodness coming out of the clams <laughs> that that's getting scooped up by the bread or some sort of thing at one point is uh looks looks pretty good. It made me sure. look. I'm watching a lot of these movies before I eat anything, you know, and yeah. the, the movies get me going, make yeah. me want to make some eggs. <laughs> make me want to, you know, get on that come up so I could be fed uh, muscles and clams exactly. as a CEO in my office. I don't rest until after I grind. So I have to watch a movie before I treat myself to breakfast. <laughs> I mean, the CEO at one point I think even quotes it's like like just you slap this on an Instagram post right now and put it up. Just put a picture of Rowan Atkinson underneath it and it's <laughs> there are two types of men, men who cheat and men who want to. Oh my God. And, I love that philosophy, you know, and we're all looking for that close encounters with the third kind. <laughs> well, that that's, it's a genius way how it comes back up. Cause you know, she says, I'm looking for the third kind in response to the CEO. And then, you know, the architect turns out to be the third kind, you know, nickname the Martian mm-hmm. by someone else, not even, you know, her just because he's, he's that solid of a motherfucker. He's a, uh, <laughs> you know, he would uh he'd be classified uh as a as a simp nowadays you know what i mean for uh well both of these guys would even true. the ceo you know true but this guy a little bit more so you know he's been yeah uh, he's not using his professional advantage to domineer his relationship with her exactly and uh <laughs> but he's also you know spent three years in exile basically planning on a way to get her back yeah you know and that's a ladies that's a deal breaker that's that's a if a guy actually cares about you that much that's too much of that's a pretty sauce yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty sauce <laughs> uh so it comes down to yet another uh you know do du- a uh, duel of the fates if you will like uh, star wars <laughs> episode three uh, uh just like the dueling lunches we get later uh dueling proposals at these two towers that you know kind of rhyme with the two towers that hold their offices where one 
one has a hotel with a restaurant and one is a construction site, you know? And so you just have these romantic gestures, one upstaging the other. And to the point where, you know, you pull back and get a wide shot of the huge cityscape. And it's like uh, in fever pitch when that skyscraper said, go socks. Marry me Uh, for all our our fairly heads out there uh, looking for some sort of Western connection in this movie. (laughs) There it is. That's the only Western connection we're going to (laughs) draw. What's the way in? I feel like the fairly is a better can you know, if you were to connect someone, it makes it makes sense. It makes sense for sure. They're yeah. using kind of grand archetypes as characters, but they're also giving a lot of depth to the characters, and they're also setting up these kind of grand dramatic structures, even if the scenes feel like they're kind of baggy or just kind of chilling for small periods. You know, mm-hmm. no, yeah, and the way like jokes compound on each other and yeah, what wrap around both have that intelligence and in, uh, screenwriting. And I love that it climaxes, you know, uh, with all those romantic gestures and she chooses, uh, you know, the man right in front of her at the restaurant who has his family with her, the architect who's, you know, the more responsible pick. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, they then you get this reverse shot uh, of them like waving at each other from across the way, which is hilarious. And he says his last words uh, across the way. The CEO says like, I'm coming back to earth now, which I guess like really kind of breaks the reality of it. And is like saying uh, like, these romantic gestures aren't real at all they're you know now he's coming back to the real world he's done lighting up a building you know to show how much he loves her or whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. honestly when he said coming back to earth now though i thought he was gonna just jump off the building (laughs) i was like damn what a what a way to go well that's not that's not the hustle mindset you know (laughs) he didn't get there by doing that yeah none of that nonsense any any final thoughts on this one jt before we wrap up i mean this just like falls into like my favorite i think ultimately the best type of movies is it's movies where people are watching other people it's you know i mean a lot some bad movies will do this too yes but i look like looking through looking through windows screens that's the best kind of shit you can get and johnny (laughs) toe is like a fucking master and he pulls it off well and just the way he rearranges the different spaces in the buildings and like plays with that like from the very first like set piece with uh these characters it's phenomenal and uh i am excited to uh see what happens in don't go breaking my heart too i don't know where we could like how how will these three characters meet again that's true. I have no clue what uh, the future holds in terms of the sequel. I mean, Johnny Toe doesn't need, you know, Hitchcock and uh, the Archers to tell you that cinema is uh, watching people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way he frames it is so beautiful here where you'll have, you know, in the foreground, the back of a character's head taking up a third of the screen on the left. And then, <laughs> you know, in the deep background, you could still see right into that office window. And, you know, the the confrontation between the two men at the end, that reverse shot from the confrontation where you see Lamsuit and all the co-workers with their faces 
pressed up against <laughs> the wall, all spectators with uh, Lem, you know, recording on a BlackBerry. Multiple times we get, you know, shots of someone holding a BlackBerry playing video, which is beautiful. I, I love seeing mm-hmm. that. You know, the the pre uh, the early smartphones and the pre smartphone uh, cell phone cinema is as pure as it gets to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what it does with like this, you know, looking, you know, through the windows perspective. I really enjoy it. I mean, when the CEO first comes um, to the, the company where the analyst is at, I love that scene where he's just kind of in the office at night and he's just looking at where she would used to look at him, you know, through her perspective and how, you know, the architect loops back around back into that building and like that game continues. Is I mean, I think Toe had such a money con- like conceit with this that it's like it's a... Uh, there's so many things that he played around with and mm-hmm. I could see there being a sequel where he just uses the same one because there's, there's even more to explore. And the tone that he has from the get-go, you know, from the moment that you have that alarm clock, the the quirky rom-com alarm mm-hmm. clock telling him to wake up, you know, yeah, uh, it kind of has that like floating air of something like Sparrow. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it has this kind of like magical tone of it that still feels grounded in realism when you look at the staging of it, Mm -hmm. but it also feels very lyrical, you know? Mm -hmm. And I saw someone on Letterboxd, I can't remember who, so I can't credit them, but they said that it felt more like uh, Jacques Tati than like classic Hollywood romantic comedy. And I think, frankly, I think it comes kind of... it really close to cutting the difference between those two mm-hmm. uh not to you know make another western comparison but mm-hmm. i think it does cut the difference between that like lyrical cinema of someone like tati and the classic hollywood rom-com with all of its machinations working uh perfectly like in the hawks ones or lubitsch or whoever else you like you know mm-hmm. i feel it's like lyrical down to like scene length and like even soundtrack too, mm-hmm. or, and how the soundtrack aids things along. And when he decides to do without it, like I was almost, I was trying to create a pattern, dude. I was doing movie math. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. And I don't think this adds up completely, but there was like a stretch out the movie where you'd have two scenes that are like aided heavily by music. And then you have like a more conversational scene, and then two scenes more aided by music. And it was, I was liking that pattern. And uh, of course you have to break it a little bit to, you know, keep things fresh but it, he had things down to the science it felt what's your favorite rom-com malcolm <laughs> uh i mean honestly it might be modern romance yeah we're gonna talk about yeah. that one in a, in a couple of weeks but yeah that, that one's amazing i might i might have to check a certain database yeah. to remind see I, all my favorite movies i don't even remember if i like them or not i don't so know I don't, what it is that makes like the good rom-com i still don't quite get it you know mm-hmm. because i am such an auteurist it's just like oh the Johnny Toe ones are good, I guess. And the the Nancy Myers ones are good, you know, and the Albert Brooks ones are good. But in terms of the studio romantic comedy, I still, I don't really know. It might be the presence of technicians uh, that are so accomplished, you know, uh, like the, the cinematographers and, you know, uh, sound design people that someone like Nancy Myers gets on all her films. Her technical yeah. teams are always like the people that would work with Scorsese in the next shoot, you know, yeah. not particularly scorsese but yeah i used a nice big male name there uh, <laughs> <laughs> big film kino but i think just like any other genre uh in terms of what i like about rom-com i guess it's just like a formal approach uh toward getting the feelings 
of the genre, you know? And mm-hmm. with someone like Brooks, it's kind of a meta thing. It's like an inversion of what you usually would get. His films are very sour and yeah. they undercut themselves a lot. But he is using, you know, a lot of formal qualities of cinema, you know, even like his editing and his mm-hmm. acting style uh, toward achieving those feelings. But I think someone like Howard Hawks, you know, uh, you watch like his Westerns and his like war films and his rom-coms and they all kind of fit together the way that Johnny Toe does. Uh, and I think it's just like existing within kind of a national cinema, usually like either Hong Kong or like a classic Hollywood cinema, mm-hmm. uh, a national cinema that just has these resources and skilled technical people at their disposal where the system can create something that feels way more personal, which is just like all tourism 101, I guess. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm just talking in circles here. No, I get, I get what you're saying. And, um, I guess for like stuff that exists outside of like a, like a skilled, like toe, you know, Hawks or even Myers really like something like, I don't know, maybe like think about like little black book and like what's enjoyable about that. Yeah. A lot of it is just like kind of the lightness of tones and like the lowering of stakes and kind of just exploring, I don't know, the idea that like things don't have to be so pressing and important. You know what I mean? And I think performance has a lot to do True. with it too. Maybe more than other genres. Now that I think about it, yeah. you know, because like you think about the the defining scenes of other genres, horror. You know, so much is built on like sound design and the stylistic approach to the the scary scenes in <laughs> the atmosphere, and you know, action with you know so much being in the stunts and you know how action is shot and the choreography of it. Rom com, the most important scenes are really just rooted in your investment in these people and like mm-hmm. watching them usually in close up do a kiss. Like, uh, yeah. So it's like it. it if that's not there, I guess it's not that the movie's not there more than in other genres, I think. And maybe that's why I'm a little more particular about what rom-coms I like in comparison to action movies that can star a cast full of people I don't care about, you know? Mm-hmm. No, def- I, I definitely get what you're saying. And like, I feel like, I guess that's the appeal and the detractor, right? Like a good romantic comedy is more attentive to just good character development and maybe like more humanistic qualities compared to like a drama or action movie where it has built in things like uh, action choreography or like a, like a drop, like a real compelling plot or series of events that happens Mm -hmm. where as you know, romantic comedies tend not to lean on that. Of course it's like uh, something like night and day, little romance action movie, but uh, I don't know. They're good for a nice light watch too. It's some good, you know, situational. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like all three, like the the Brooks uh, Brothers movies we watched, I mean, not really being like romantic comedies, um, but kind of, I mean, in terms of endearment more so in that vein, along with uh, this, it's just like they have such a soothing quality to them uh, when done well, even like the ones that we watch on like a lesser end, like Little Black Book, there's still something like call like the stakes are generally low enough where it's like a calm sort of fun ride it's like a a great chill out movie yeah it's movies that tell you love is real and possible yeah exactly and i feel like it has good space for character actors like i like something like little black book now i think about it the two leads those weren't all that compelling to me but then you have someone like holly hunter in that supporting role Mm -hmm. just absolutely dominating that movie you know and uh i i don't know um 
I don't know. <laughs> we still haven't we still haven't figured love out. Love and movies. I'm trying to figure out this whole romance thing this month with these Brooks films and. Uh, <laughs> Maybe write us an email. Tell us what you yeah. think makes a good romantic comedy, or if there is any uh, any parameters. Maybe it's just purely a case by case thing, and this is such a specific genre that only certain movies end up being good by accident. True. Teach us how to love. Yeah, you know, little Wayne style. Teach us how to love <laughs> on the Patreon. Good night, extended clip Patreon. Whoa! Funny meeting you here. Don't be startled, it's only me. <laughs> yeah, it's always the same thing, it's L.A. I, can, I never know where I am, it's a wilderness here. I mean, in the Bronx, you got the streets, you got the numbers, you got 187th and 88th. Yeah, right. Follows in, in sequence. Here you got the palm trees. Yeah. They all look alike. <laughs>